Hey everybody, how's it going? I hope you're keeping cool. I'm recording this when it's 95 degrees out and it's supposed to get to 99 degrees this weekend. It got 99 pro Okay, you know how that goes. Anyways, this week, uh, Katie and I talked to one of my old friends, not old, but old friends, Rachel Elman O'Shea, who happens to be one of the most interesting people, interesting stories we've ever uh, encountered. Uh, Rachel grew up in upstate New York, just like I did. And um, then she moved to Singapore and now she lives in Laos. In fact, when we were talking to her, recorded the session at around uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time in the United States. And uh, she was uh, about, uh, about 9 a.m. or something like that. You'll hear it in the podcast. What she does is her and her partner have a working farm uh, with buffalo uh, and uh, they milk buffalo. They, they create cheese and dairy from these buffalo uh, milk. Um, and I'm going to go on record and say I didn't even know buffalo could be milked. So that's a surprise for me. Um, there is so much that she does with this farm in Laos. And, um, you know, just the fact that she lives in Laos is, um, you know, interesting enough. But the, the fact that she... Uh, does this whole working farm and tries to include and give back to the community in Laos is amazing. I'll probably have to listen to this interview, uh, you know, a few times to understand exactly what she's doing um, because there's so much going on with this one person and I am just so inspired by her. So um, really take a listen. I mean, it's something that, you know, most of us uh, won't do and haven't done in our lifetime. And it's just a story that is just really, uh, just really cool to listen to. So, uh, sit back and listen to our, uh, interview with Rachel. about 30 minutes you may see buffalo walking behind me oh my gosh so (laughs) tonight so we're recording and so tonight we're we are joined by rachel elman o'shea who i knew a long time ago in my youth group days and um remind me and katie and our audience where you're calling in from i'm calling in from luang prabang lao which is in southeast asia it's for those who don't know, it's a tiny little country stuck in the middle of Cambodia, Thailand, Vietnam, Myanmar, and China. Oh my wow. So my yes. first question is, and something that I've always wanted to know, how did you go from downstate New York State to where you are now to Kabunga Bunga? <laughs> we, uh, after university, I moved up to the Boston area. Yes, I remember uh, that. Yeah. And so I was living there and uh, I met my my ex-husband there and um, we were just outside of Boston and hoping to move international with his work. And finally, they sent us to Singapore and we were in Singapore for about eight years. And uh, I met my business partners there um, two years 
into it and we became fast friends, the two families. We have children about the same age. And um, we had our midlife crises at about the same time. And we decided to do a crisis with a purpose instead of a Porsche. Yeah, right. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah, go ahead, Katie, go ahead. No, I love that. That's it. That's my feedback so oh, far. Oh, that's your big feedback. Okay. Yeah, that's, okay, that's what <laughs> so, I mean. so how did you decide? So I'm going to I'm going to be very ignorant. Um, so that's fine. You are working where you you decided to do what? Like so like right right before we recorded it, started recording, you said there might be buffalo behind you in a little while. Like what yes. what exactly are you doing? <laughs> that brings buffalo so, to you. <laughs> My business partners and I, we have a social enterprise. We have a farm here in Laos, the first ever dairy farm in Laos. And we rent pregnant buffalo from the farmers in order to give them an extra income stream for something that they don't get any money for until they sell the buffalo at the end of its quote unquote life cycle with the yeah. farmer. So wow. um, people here in Laos, they're, it's actually a developing country. They're very poor. Uh, the farmers are some of the poorest and we decided that because we were in search of cheese that we would just make our own and instead of owning the animals we would rent them from the farmers so that we could help the community wow so 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 you created this farm we created this farm wow and what is from it called it's called Lao buffalo dairy very simple see my yeah. yes i've seen that nice. yeah oh that's cute yeah that, uh, you know, we decided we were going to call it Death by Dairy. That was Susie's <laughs> idea. Oh, my right. gosh. We decided that it probably wouldn't translate well into Lao or Chinese, as we have lots of Chinese tourists. Yeah. And we weren't sure other people would really get it. So we decided to go with something very simple. It's a dairy, and we're in Lao, and we have buffalo. So Lao, so buffalo, as, dairy. As we're recording, it's 1045 at night here in the Boston area. Katie, the same for you on the East Coast of the United States. What time is it there? It is 9.45 a.m. Wow. Well, thank you for, you know, doing this, you know, what I consider one of the first things in the morning. Although if you're working a farm, I assume everything starts earlier. We have a shift that starts at 6 a.m., but right. we don't usually get here till about nine ourselves. Right. We so, I mean, town all the way out. But, but so, Rachel, let, like, let me really dive into the weeds here. Like, like, I mean, first of all, quite impressive, obviously, okay. but like. I understand like like if I like I'm having a midlife crisis so like I'm moving back to Albany right so I'm, I'm not moving to like the the you know so far away like you so so my I, like how like how, you know what I mean like I know you you decided to do this but like you know what I mean like how did you come up with the idea and then be like you know what yeah we're moving across the world well we were living in Singapore and uh, on Halloween night, my husband called me and he said, I quit my, my job and I freaked out because the school year had just started. And in Singapore, if you lose your employment pass, you have to leave the country within two weeks. So I naturally oh, wow. assumed that quitting his job meant his employment pass was now non, not valid in two week time. And I didn't want to go home. So, um, our kids were trick-or-treating and I was at the top of the, I was at about 42 flights up in our building, walking down the stairs when he called me, ready to go. Right. <laughs> and of course he starts the conversation off with, don't freak out, but <laughs> that's an automatic freak out, right? Right. So I went home and I said to Susie, oh my God, Matt quit his job. What am I gonna do? 
I don't want to go home. And she said, let's go build a hotel. And I said, let's go do it in Laos. Because we had been here, you can hear the pigs behind me. Um, yes. <laughs> we had yes. been here in Laos for holiday. And we knew that at the time when we started coming here, there were not a lot of large hotels. And it was definitely needed as we flew over with huge tour groups and watched them be shuttled way out of town in order to find enough beds in one place for them. So she agreed that Laos was a good place. She had lived in Asia on and off for a good 20 years and backpacked yeah. through yeah. most of the world being Australian as they do. Um, so she had a very good understanding of this area. And two weeks later, we hopped on a plane to come out and do a little bit of a look-see. And one of the things that we did was we took a cooking class with one of the five-star hotels here. And part of that cooking class was to take us through the morning market. And as we were going through the morning market with the chef, we were looking around knowing that they had all these buffalo. Yeah. We turned to the chef and we said, where's your buffalo curd? And he went, what are you talking about? We said, yeah. what do you mean? What are we talking about? You've got all these buffalo. Don't you milk them? And yeah. he stopped in the middle of the market and went, you can milk buffalo? I was just going to ask that. So Susie and I looked at each other and went, we can do this. <laughs> oh my God. And that's where the idea came from because we had been on holiday in Sri Lanka the year before. And Sri Lanka makes this most incredible buffalo curd. It's basically Greek yogurt on steroids. Oh. It's so thick and it's so creamy and they do it over a charcoal fire and they put it in these clay pots and it's basically made on a daily basis and you eat it on a daily basis. And, uh, and it's just incredible. So that's what we wanted and we were running, we were going to run a guest house. So we decided that, you know, we could do that. Yeah. So, so one of the things you said that you just kind of glossed over is you were in Singapore at the time. How did you even wind up in Singapore? I was going to go back to that. Too. Yeah. You're like, well, uh, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, oh, well, you know, I was in Singapore. <laughs> we had been trying to get my husband's company to send us for an international posting. And yeah. it took about two and a half years. And then they finally said, hey, we've got a spot opening up. Um, we're going to send you to Hong Kong for six months. And then you can move to Singapore for, you know, two, three, four years, however long it takes. So... We said, hell yeah. And that summer, we went to, uh, they sent us the whole family. My baby was 18 months old. They sent us to Hong Kong and Singapore for a total of about six weeks. And we spent 10 days in Hong Kong. And after about day three, I turned to my husband and I said, so if we come to Hong Kong first, I'll meet you when we get to Singapore. I hated really? it. Yeah. Oh, really? It's not a it's not a really good city if you have small children. Yeah. It's very tight, very compact, very hilly, not meant for strollers. So it's very difficult to get around. So for me, that was really tough with three children. I had um, at the time 18 months, four and five year olds. Oh, wow. wow. So wow. actually three three and five year three and four year olds. Wow. So Gosh. it was difficult. You had your hands. Yeah. yeah. And he was working all day long, so it was just me. And they had the most rain that summer that they've had in 127 years. Oh, so geez. here I was oh stuck in the hotel room, and I could see the children's play area in Victoria Park across from me, and I couldn't go. I couldn't get there. Yeah. So I oh, was yeah. absolutely miserable. <laughs> so how long have you been where you are but now? But then after 10 days... Oh. Uh, we've been here in, in Laos for eight years. 
eight years. And do you love it? I do. I mean, there's a lot of things that I miss. It's um, like I said before, it's a developing country. So you don't have your shopping malls. You don't have your grocery stores. Right. You don't have things like that here. Right. And now I feel bad. On their way out. So it's fine. Yeah. I feel bad because right before you came on, I said to Katie, I said, I can't get into my iCloud. I guess I'll have to go to the genius bar tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, I'm I'm like, I'm in this country. Yeah, there's none of that here. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's definitely first world problems. So do you, do you, you said you miss, you know, certain things. You mean miss things from where you're from, from the United States? Yes. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Singapore is a lot like that. It's a cosmopolitan city, so it was same. Right. So I assume you had to learn the language. Right. Here in Laos? Yeah. Uh, I sh- should. <laughs> <laughs> it's been difficult because it takes a, it's a, it, it's the characters very different. Um, and it's a hard language. It's a tonal language. So you need a lot of time to learn it. And I've never had that time because when we first got here, we had the guest house and children, which takes up two full-time jobs. And then we had the, we started the farm on top of that. So we had three full-time jobs all at once. Wow. So finding time to go take classes, not easy. No. Have you picked up on any of it though? Like, are there certain things that you've, I'm sure picked up, right? I know a little bit here and there, and I, I can understand some of what my, my team says to me. So you know, when they're yelling things at me in the kitchen and I can go, hold on, slow down, first of all. And second of all, no, you can't do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can understand some of it. Yeah. So wh- what is the, it's a working farm, obviously, right? Are you there? The connection to Lao is slow. Katie. As I would expect. Yeah, absolutely. I lost for a minute there. Yeah, I yeah. hear you now. Can I just say something? No. What? Okay. Well. No, no. Cool. Um, no, it's really a remarkable, honestly, to sit here and and think like because of technology, and how far it's come that we're sitting here having this conversation in real time with you, uh, halfway around the world. Like it's across it's the really world. Incredible. It's really incredible. Like even Jeff being in Boston and I'm in upstate New York. And I, I mean, I think mm. we kind of take that for granted. Cause it's like, ah, it's, you know, but this is, this is nuts. If you really think about yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Just pointing out the, the obvious. It is, it is, uh, it is. It really is. We don't have the best internet here though. That's the problem. Yeah. But the fact that you have anything at all that puts your face on a screen in real time that we can communicate is pretty crazy. If you think about it. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's my like my grandpa moment. Like, can you believe? No, no, it's true. I mean, as we're waiting for Rachel to reconnect, um, it, that's how I still think about like Amazon Prime and things like that. Like thing, things that, you know, your kids and my yeah. nephews and stuff. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. it's incredible to me. Yeah. It's you nice. know, and then they invented this thing like called the calculator where you just put in numbers and like they you put it with other numbers and it like, <laughs> okay, Rachel is rejoining us. Ah, yeah. There you are. <laughs> That's well, all right. Sorry about that. 
best internet connection here in Laos. That's okay. That's what we were just saying. It's we basically said, you know, if you want us to take over the farm, don't say anything. So we will be there soon. (laughs) I have to say, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Katie was just saying, like, how amazing it is that you are where you are. I'm in Boston, she's in upstate New York, and we're all here to, you know, together. And uh, it's quite incredible. I, you know, I have to say, you're our first international interview. So, like, you know, I know, and this, and, and, um, you know, I don't even know, like, where to begin. I mean, personally, I know, like, you know, we grew up in the, you know, the, uh, the Jewish youth group type of thing. And, like, mm-hmm. did you, I have to ask, like, did you have aspirations to, like, do what you're doing now? Did you ever think you'd be doing what you're doing? No. Yes and no. (laughs) Um, Yes, I've always wanted to live internationally. When I was in second grade, we had a foreign exchange student from Japan, and I was completely enamored by her. She was just, like, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, something totally different. Yeah, and Japan had always been a dream of mine to go to, which I managed to do twice now. Wow. Um, so I, I have always wanted to live internationally because I know it's a different world out there. Yeah. And, but running a farm, not so much. I mean, I always yeah. thought maybe, you know, I'd, I'd have a little piece of land that was big enough to have my own chickens so I could have yeah. fresh eggs and right. something like that. But that was maybe the extent of it. Honeybees, sure. I'd love to have honeybees. Yeah. Um, but something like this, never. Right. Right. I mean, who? I mean, I, I, you know, I, it's like I almost feel unprepared to ask the questions I want to ask. I have so many, you know, and, and it's just like, like did, did you like, you know, and I feel like my questions are going to be like so elementary and I apologize for that. But, Never. you know, did you have to like, did you buy did you buy a farm that was already existing? Did you have to buy the animals? Did you like what? How did you go about this? So we we don't own the land. Okay. We rent the land from the farmers. We have yeah. this interior part that you can see yes. here. This it's, um, and by the way, the for our audience, it's like it's a beautiful setting. It is. You know beautiful. what I mean? It really looks gorgeous. This is part of our mini farm. So this is our tourist area. Yeah. And then over here behind me, that way. Yeah. Which kind of turn? Let's see. This is. The, oh wow. This is the main that. farm. So back there are where our sheds are. You can't quite see them through the yes. trees. And everything. But <clears throat> the way our farm is set up, this interior part here, which is tourist, is about yeah. five hectares. Yeah. And then out the back, we have um, about 17 more hectares of grassland that we grow grass in order to feed the animals. Got it. So, and no, we did not know how to do any of that. We had to learn all of it. And we... Um, depending on the time of the year, the, the landlord, we've given back some grassland. We're about to take some more land to plant grass again. Yes. Uh, but we've literally had to learn everything there is to learn about running a farm, what they need to eat, the animals themselves. Um, as I said, it's a developing country. So we do have an agricultural college and an agricultural university here, but their four-year program is probably equivalent to maybe one year yeah. of what we would learn in the U.S. Yes, I see. So the education level is actually very low. 
We've been Got lucky it. enough to have some wonderful international vets come and help train us and our team. Yeah. And bring us equipment and drugs and whatever it is we need to, to keep our animals happy and healthy. And we've yeah. had some really great volunteers come through. We had a couple of interns from Earth University early on. Um, Earth University is in Costa Rica. Yeah. And we had two young gentlemen join us um, for three and a half months the first time around. And they helped us with their teachers back in Costa Rica based on what we could find here, develop an appropriate diet for the type of buffalo that we have. Not it. So now back to the question about the animals. Do we own them? Yes. The answer is yes and no. Yeah. We own a core section of the animals, but our premise is buffalo don't milk nearly as long as cows do. So if we own the buffalo, it kind of defeats the purpose more than half the year because we can't then we have to feed them but we're not making anything off of them right and because a poor country we decided that we would um we would rent the buffalo from the farmers so yeah when we go out and we do pregnancy checks for the farmers and figure out how pregnant their buffalo are and when they're about eight months pregnant yeah they come to us they spend one month in our quarantine where we test them for diseases and then we vaccinate them because the farmers can't afford to do that. Yeah. We keep them in there for a month until they're decided to be clean and disease free. And then they go into our sheds for about another month until they have their babies. Wow. And we take care of mom and baby the entire time. We have, um, you know, like I said, we have a, a feeding regime that we do for them. Um, and then, hello, Chubb. We have a, a visitor. This is Is Chubb. that a buffalo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's a very on. tiny buffalo. It's a tiny buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> he a thinks he's a rabbit buffalo. living a buffalo. Right. He likes to hang out with the rabbits. <laughs> Wait, so Rachel, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you've learned a, lo uh, a lot of veterinarian skills. Yes. Um, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a limit. <laughs> yeah. So, so do people, correct me if I'm wrong, but people come in and buy product from you. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. As well as it's it, like people like to eat, like, um, is it, it for lack of a better term, is it also like a rest? Do you also like have a restaurant type of thing? I'm sitting in the cafe right now. So what we do is. We, with the rental of the buffalo, when they start milking for us, we use the milk to make cheese and ice cream. Um, and that's when we start paying the farmer the rental fee. So his, depending on how long his buffalo milks for is depending on how long he gets paid for. Um, but it. we have an ice cream shop that's on the road. So people can just drive in and stop right on the road and grab ice cream. Or they can come in and sit in our cafe where I am, and we have an a la carte menu. It's all cheese-based. Everything yeah. has some sort of our product in it, whether it be cheese or milk. Yeah. Um, we do sweet. We do savory. Yeah. And we also do tours around the farm. We do I was guided ask tours. That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And we have tour groups that come in. We also do um, booked lunches for them as well. I'm curious, like with, I mean, in in. In the U.S., there's so many 
food allergies. And I mean, I have a child with severe food allergies and a lot, she doesn't have a dairy allergy, but a lot of people do or lactose intolerant. And how does Buffalo milk or Buffalo milk products compare to a cow milk product? And is good, that's a good question people that maybe have a, a, a sensitivity. It is a good question. And it is actually something that we focus in on in parts of our tours okay. because um, Buffalo milk and cow's milk are very different. Um, just to start with, cow's milk has about a, yeah, cow's milk has about a 3% milk fat, whereas buffalo milk has between 8 and 9%. And it is higher in protein, higher in calcium, higher in a lot of the vitamins and minerals than cow's milk. But the biggest factor is it is about 94% of Asians are lactose intolerant. And about 90 90% of the lactose intolerant people can have buffalo milk with no problems whatsoever. Because generally, a lot of those people who are told that they're lactose intolerant, it's actually not a lactose intolerance, it's a protein intolerance. And mm -hmm. cow's milk has an A1 protein, whereas buffalo milk has an A2 protein, which is kinder to the human stomach. It's very similar to, to goat's milk in that okay. respect. Okay. So, so when you, when, you, when you make the, Sorry. you know, are you like, are you hands-on with like the cheese making, the the yogurt, the ice cream, the? They're I mean, all my recipes. I had to make them all up because you. Wow. When we started this, we did a six-week trial um, to make sure that we could get milk and you know we could make cheese. And I went scouring the internet trying to find buffalo cheese recipes, how to make cheese from buffalo milk. They don't exist because there are so few people out there who make it nobody shares the recipes and i spent the majority of those six weeks crying because my my recipes were failing i was trying to make mozzarella and i was using yeah. a cow's milk recipe and i didn't really know why it wasn't working i just knew that it wasn't and i had to keep adjusting it and finally i emailed about um 15 dairies worldwide and said please please help me we're this tiny little place in the middle of nowhere. We're not competition for anyone yeah, out there. Right. We just want to help the local community and make cheese. Yeah. And one person emailed me back. Is it? It really? was a lady from Shaw River Dairy in Australia and said, I can give you my recipe, but it's not going to work, which of course made me bawl my eyes out again. Right. Until I continued reading. And she said, the reason, <laughs> the reason is the fat levels play with your ingredients and you have to, accommodate those so i went okay i can i can work with that and i took her recipe and i tried it and she was right it didn't work but it got me much closer than the cow's milk recipe that i had been adjusting and so i did a little more adjustments and finally we had a perfect mozzarella ball and our our, oh. our time was up our trial was over we knew we could get milk and we knew we could make and so we knew we could start this <laughs> as wow. a result. Wow. So, I mean. And it, through all of that, we've learned all about the milk. Wow. So do you also. Um, Go ahead. Is it the same type of licensing to sell to the public as it is in the U.S. or is it more, you know, you know, lackadaisical? Lack. I it's very like lack. It's lack very lack. Oh, thank you. Thank so, you. <laughs> we do um we do go by uh oh 
feeling is Australian. Um, Say that again. You, you broke. You broke we up. We want to make sure that we. I said we do go by U.S. standards and by Australian standards because yeah. my business partners are Australian and want to be the highest quality. Um, case in point, we were approached from a distributor in Japan to start exporting to Japan. Japan is almost as tough as Australia. And we, over the time we sent 300 kilo worth of cheese to Japan, it passed all of their inspections and everything. Our packaging was what they wanted to see, the quality, the everything was perfect for them. And we were, we were this close to starting getting extra um, equipment so that we could start importing or we could start exporting it. Um, and then COVID hit. Ugh, COVID. Still so yeah. Our standards are are high for our quality Wait, and, so and everything. Rachel, did, did your country or you or the people you work with, did you get the, did, was the vaccine available to you? We, yes, it took us a lot longer than, um, than the U.S. to get the vaccines here, um, partly because all of the vaccines are donated. They're not, um, they're not bought. They're not made here. It's a, like I said, it's a very poor country. They couldn't afford to buy, buy the vaccines. So the U.S., I think, um, donated something like 4 million doses. Yes. Wow. I think something like that. So, can wow. you hear the buffalo behind me? Yes. Wow. Can, can you see them back in the back there? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I don't know if you can see them back there. Yeah, yes. I can a little. So, yeah, I mean, for our listeners, obviously they can't see them, but I mean, the the view is it just what a beautiful, yeah, beautiful yeah. place. Yeah. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit, Rachel, if you don't mind. I'm just curious what it's like. I mean, so you raised your children there, correct? Or, yeah. Okay. So, what was that like for them? And I mean, what's school look like? And what's, what's, what do hobbies look like in free time? I mean, you've built this life for yourself. What do you, you know? I guess it's it's a multifold question, right? Like, what was it like raising your kids? What did school look like for them? And then what? What does your um, your free time and, and like entertainment look like? Well, uh, raising my kids here, I mean, they don't really know anything else. So it was sure. easy. Um, they coming from Singapore, they did understand more of a city aspect of it. Uh, we had a, an absolutely fantastic international school in Singapore. Um, the Singapore American School, which is where they went for, I mean, my oldest did a half of kindergarten in Massachusetts, and that was it. The rest of their school has been outside yeah. the U.S. Um, but it, it was a fantastic international school. And then we came here to Laos. Uh, my oldest was here with us for one year only the school the only school that was an option at that time said it was international but it really was um not uh the education mm -hmm. was not <laughs> we had okay. to hire teachers to continue on the day actually ended at 1 30 and we had to hire teachers to continue on the day to actually teach our children what they needed to be yeah. learning uh, 
that was tough. But we heard noise two years in about a French school. And we went to have a look at that. And it was a tiny little school that had eight children in it. They had been in, um, in service for about two years at that point. They knew that in order to grow, they were going to have to go international. So basically the day the school year started, we said, we're coming. So wow. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they went from eight children to 22 because we then pulled in a whole bunch of other kids with us. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And the school, um, the school is obviously still in existence. My son will be the first graduating class of wow. three. Wow. There are three wow. kids in this grade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they do 95% of their day in French. Wow. Other 5% is split between English, Lao, and Mandarin. Wow. Oh, so but your son can speak it. Yes. My children are fluent, they're fluent in French to their grade levels. They're missing some vocabulary because they came in later, but they if you were to plop them down in France, you wouldn't know that they weren't French speaking. Wow. That's they have amazing. the proper accent and even to the point where they make fun of nationally born French people who come visit us. <laughs> they say that's not a French accent. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's really cool. So, what so Go ahead. Um, I know I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but what who would you say the three most influential people in your life have been? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's a constantly changing thing, I think, because, you know, while we find influence at a young age, I think as we get older, we're influenced by more people. I mean, I would have to say, my father was a teacher growing up while I was growing up. So I think he influenced a lot of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a teacher. He wouldn't let me um, because he knew it was such a hard thing to do and he wanted me to do something else. So I, I would have to say that he was probably one of my first influences. Um, I have a cousin that I idolized when I was in my teens. Yeah. But I think as I got older, it changed. I mean, my my business partner, Susie, she, she the brains on that woman are just incredible. And I think she is a huge influence in the things I do and how I look at things now. Like I sometimes I have to take a step back and stop and say, what would Susie do in this situation before I answer something or before I do something? And yeah, it's definitely not what I would have done 10 years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's impressive. And and then before we wrap up, of course, we ask everybody, um, what will you, what do you hope to be remembered for someday? Um, well, I'm writing a book about this whole thing. So I wow. hope that... I would read that. <laughs> well, when it when it's done, I'll let you know. And I'm only in 2016. So, you know, who knows how long it's going to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would hope that we would be remembered for the, the things that we did for Lao, the way that we came in and helped them change the way they look at just animals. And, you know, we've, we've shown them more humane ways to raise their animals and we've shown them, um, ways that they can use their their resources that 
they have, like for example, the buffalo, they didn't know they could milk them. We've gone into villages where there's a very high malnutrition level and taught them about their own buffalo and how they yeah. can milk their buffalo and use that milk to increase the levels of the nutrition for their children and their whole family. Amazing. So I would hope that we would be remembered for the good things that we did here in That's trying awesome. to increase the population. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been, or, t or this morning, I should say. Yeah, this morning. <laughs> and um, yeah. I really, I really, I'm not kidding. I really would read that book. It's, it, it's, it's such a, an interesting story and one that is very original. You have, you have a really unique narrative to your life and, and um, it's just fascinating. And thank you so much for agreeing to be on tonight or this morning.